On this week's episode, Alan and I update the Triple Crown standings and then discuss the results from the rule proposal meeting at Autumn Oaks. Stay tuned. You're listening to the UKC Hunting Ops podcast, celebrating hunting dog heritage, competition, and community. United Kennel Club has been the hunting dog sports home for coonhounds, beagles, retrievers, pointers, cur feist, and more for over 125 years. This podcast is fueled by Yukonuba, the official performance dog nutrition partner of UKC. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the UKC Hunting Ops podcast. This is Trevor Wade, Coonhound Program Manager at UKC, and I'm joined by Mr. Alan Gingrich, the Director of Hunting Ops. How are you doing today, Alan? Doing very well. How about you? Good, good. Still recuperating from uh, Autumn Oaks and getting uh, zone packets out and all that good stuff. That's such a whirlwind of a weekend, isn't it? And then coming home, you know, Monday you have off for Labor Day, but then it's right back at it again, getting ready for the world hunt and all that good stuff, and you don't get much of a break. Bloodline deadlines, and then uh, you got the the pre-entries closed for the world there at Autumn Oaks, and it's just a lot at one time, and it's busy. But yeah, not it's to mention fun. the paper trail from Autumn Oaks to take care of as well. That's exactly right. Yeah, uh, but even you, you had an event this past weekend, the weekend after Autumn Oaks, right? Yeah, it's the it's a beagle event that we have a pretty big one for us actually. The McVeigh Memorial. It's held over in Coshocton, uh, Ohio. Don McVeigh Senior, who is actually a coon hunter, hunt, used to hunt black and tan dogs back in the day. I actually heard you guys talking about it on this podcast a few episodes back. You can go back and listen to them talking about that. Yeah, I had a couple of the McVeigh boys on on the podcast. So yeah, I had a great turnout there. They hunted over four hundred entries over the weekend, so it was it was good. And and that one, I get a chance to hunt a dog in it if I want to on that one, and I did. And man, that's always a blast. You, you know, you and I, we don't get to hunt nearly as much or whatever, but uh, when you do, I, I just it just ah, it's so much fun. Yeah. You know, and just reminds you again how much you like to compete and and uh, those little beagle hounds man there's i've always loved them they're just as much fun i feel they're for me anyways as the coon hounds were you know but uh no i had a lot of fun yeah and a nice little dog the weather pretty decent up there we've we've had kind of a kind of getting cooler you can feel all uh fall in the air the past couple weeks seems like you sure can you know and uh just traveling out there this last weekend i was out there for three days coming back man you can see the crops are turning you know and just every day you can you can tell the difference after three days so fall is definitely on the horizon you can feel it in the air i've been hunting the fire out of my dogs the past couple of weeks because i know uh we get to zones in the in the world finals here in these next two weeks there's not gonna be much hunting to do there but uh man how's that little pup coming along he's been doing okay he's still he's still uh, he's uh still doing some things that we got to straighten up but uh i've been hunting him and the older uh the three-year-old walker dog uh, both hank and chipper both and uh I'd never hunted them together very much. And the other night after we were on, we were at a, a high school football game Friday night. I took my daughter out there and she eats it up. She likes watching the cheerleaders right now. Oh, Not yeah. much on the football game, but yeah. she, she likes the cheerleaders. But uh, she wanted to go hunting afterwards. Oh, yeah. So we, uh, I wanted to hunt the young dog. She wanted to hunt the older dog. So we gathered them both up. And it's the first time I've hunted them together in a long time. I just don't like leading two dogs at the same time. Yeah. I never have. So. Yeah. Uh, so we cut them both loose right here. I, probably the best spot I have to tree a good coon and wanted her to have an easy walk in there. And these two boneheaded, uh, male dogs racehorse down this, uh, road bed all the way through this mile section. They were 0.8 in two, like 
three or four minutes. Oh boy. We drive yeah. around, we get within uh 250, 300 walking yards of them. So not a bad walk. Yeah. Uh, we found some trails to walk in yeah. there. So it wasn't bad at all. But the three-year-old walker dog, he wasn't treeing very hard. And I wasn't sure what the deal, if they were having some issues at the tree or what. But when I got in there, he was panning. Uh, worse than I've ever seen him do before. And it was a nice night. It was uh, low 60s, mid 60s yeah. with not much humidity, 60, 70% humidity, which uh, is not terrible uh, for uh, uh, early September night. And uh, man, he uh, pulled him off the tree, panning a lot, and uh, his back end just wasn't seeming right. And I mm. got scared to death. And my wife was making me, making it even worse. She was scaring me to death. So we get him to the truck and I'm pouring water on him. And I actually, I want to give props to Heath Hyatt. I, I listen to his stuff on the journey on the Houndsman XP podcast all yeah. the time. He does a great yeah. job of talking about stuff that uh, an ordinary coon hunter doesn't know about, the health mm -hmm. of dogs and the different training techniques and stuff like that. And and talking about some of the things that he's seen with his bear packs and his canine dogs of, as far as heat exhaustion goes. And uh, he kind of talked me off the ledge because I was a nervous wreck for a bit. Yeah. Kind of, I've, you know, I've hunted him all summer and I, I think just competing with that young dog and getting in there, it kind of uh, took yeah. him an extra gear because it's just a weird night, strange night. Kind of overdid it a little bit, but he's fine now, huh? Fine. He's yeah. good. He's rare to go. So I'll probably, I uh, haven't hunted him the past three nights now. So uh, three or four nights, whatever Friday was, it's Tuesday now. So uh, we're going to give him, gave him a couple nights off and I may ease him out tonight. He's cool today. Yeah. And uh, just let him stretch his legs. Did you get a chance to uh, put your Pathfinder 2 on him yet? I've Play been with using, it a little bit? I've been using my Dog Trip Pathfinder 2 a lot, and yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah we've we been in talks with Dog Trip about their stuff, and, man, I, I got nothing but rave reviews for for my Pathfinder 2. Yeah, but well, good, good. Sure am liking it. But yeah, but on today's podcast, I guess it's time to kind of get into it and uh, talk about some other dogs besides ours. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, today, we're going to start out talking about uh, the Triple Crown now that Autumn Oaks is over, our second leg of our Triple Crown program is over. And then we're going to finish this podcast out talking about the results from the rural proposal meeting at, uh, Auto at Autumn Oaks this uh, two weekends ago. So we're going to finally put that out there for everyone to hear. Sounds good to me. So, yeah, I'm sure we've whittled them, uh, the Triple Crown contenders. We started with, what, 20-some, 21, 2, 3, something like that. But uh, usually after Autumn Oaks, whittles them down, narrows down the field. So looks like we have, what, three or four remaining? Yeah, we narrowed are, this uh, list down quickly. Like you said, we had 20 beforehand, 20 double-cast winners at Winter Classic going into this Autumn Oaks event. And three of those 20 actually ended up getting a cast win at Autumn Oaks. Uh, and we'll just we'll uh, shout them out here. Uh, Grand Knight Champion Three Black River Poncho, owned by Chad uh, Chad McCoy and Brad Heil in uh, Hartford City, Indiana. Uh, Knight Champion Indian Creek Nova uh, English Hound, owned by Gregory Gregory Wallace of Randolph, Alabama. And Knight Champion of Fifteen South Merle, an English male, owned by Trent Willoughby of Watkinsville, Georgia. Those three were able to uh, add to their their point total and now sitting at 150 points. Yeah, so three dogs kind of separated them from the rest of the field. Now, it's usually the way it works. We usually end up, uh, this is very common, you know. But uh, So, yeah, it'll be interesting now, uh, eyes on these three. But uh, as I understand, it might only be two. Yeah, really quick. It went from three to two when we started looking at uh, qualifying list and these dogs' wins record, and we realized that uh, the Merle dog, Trent Willoughby, they failed to qualify for the world. I'm not sure if he even hunted in any RQEs or what, but it just didn't work out for him this year, and it's going to eliminate him from uh, from contention. In this, yeah, and in the, this reason, crown the reason it eliminates him is because to be eligible, you have to compete and enter and compete in all three of our Triple Crown events, uh, Winter Classic, Autumn Oaks, and the World. So not being qualified, he won't be able to compete in the world. So that 
knocks him out regardless. So yeah, he's uh, unfortunately that we're down to we'll be just down to the two dogs now. Yeah. So, but uh, it's not they don't have it wrapped up. They're they're in a good position right now, but that doesn't mean they have it wrapped up. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit upstairs before we came down here to to do this, and we still have twenty one dogs that are tied with a hundred points. Um, a lot of them are no longer in contention also for the same reason as the others. Either they didn't compete at uh, Autumn Oaks or they're not competing at the World Championship. They're not qualified for that. Uh, but there's still some out there that I think are going to have a, a fighter's chance. You know, uh, the chocolate chip dog, Herb Landers and uh, Debbie Landers and uh, Rex Robinson, they're right there. They have uh, double cast wins. They compete at Autumn Oaks or qualified for the world. Uh, the Sharpie dog, David Magrum. Kraken and uh, Trevor Hack and Grant Whitmer, you're not going to count them out. Uh, they always do good at the Yeah, another big name I see on this list still with 100 points, Connor McGregor. They don't get much bigger than that dog this year. Yeah, you'll see Connor McGregor, and then right under him, you'll see Scar, that J.R. Gray is actually hunting now that he sold McGregor to someone else. Yeah. And, uh, he's sure liking that female. He's uh, Scar's actually off a couple of world champions. Yeah, uh, M.A. and Willie, yeah. Yeah, so we're seeing that cross make a lot of fireworks here on the scene the past the past year so. There, there's some tough outs here. Uh, E-Step uh, with King Rolo, they've done good. Uh, they're still in a prime position to make a run at it. But uh, Poncho old, – Old Wipeout Jim is on here too still. Wipeout Jim, yes, he's on Johnny here, but Brown's he did not home. get qualified for the World oh, Championship. Oh, he didn't. Okay, did well, there you go. Same <laughs> thing for him. He's – yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, it, talking about those are the dogs that are tied with 100 points now. These two here with 150 that are qualified for our World Championship, Nova and Poncho – they can make life pretty tough on these other competitors pretty quick at the zones this coming weekend. Yeah, so uh, let's let's see what uh, talk about uh, what these dogs are here. I've got uh, Indian Creek Nova here. Uh, she is a uh, 2018 model, born in May of 2018. That is off of uh, River Swamp Crow. Crow is sired by the world champion Top Gun. And then on the bottom side, it's uh, Looney's Big Oconee River Lolo, uh, and her sire is Big River Dan, uh, Mark Looney's uh uh, English hound that he has down there. I believe he won the Grand American, I'm going to say, probably about eight to ten years ago. Big River Dan was one of Mark's there good hounds go. that he had. So uh, that's uh, that's the pedigree on Indian Creek Nova that's owned by Greg Wallace of Randolph, Alabama. Randolph, Alabama, I uh, looked it up before we came down here, but that is dead center Alabama is where he's from. So he's doing some traveling. He is. Yeah, he is. So uh, – yeah, but he is. There's a there's a female, so a male and a female, and I think you've got a little bit on Poncho there. But, but well, uh, real quick before we trans, before we go over to Poncho, but I just want to talk about Greg Greg Wallace a little bit. I've had a chance to talk to him now a, a couple different times. I saw him there at uh, at Autumn Oaks, and he always has his son with him. I, I, yeah, he can't be yeah. ten years old, maybe. Just yeah. got his mullet flowing, and uh, I, I'm friends with him on Facebook, and he's all the time posting pictures of them outdoors together and at football games and. Had pictures of him all over Autumn Oaks in front of our banners and stuff with his dog. He's proud of that hound, and he should be. They've made a good run at this thing so far. They've had a really strong year. And, yeah, uh, and he takes that uh, son of his. It seems like they're, they're we've seen him at this last several events that they've been to Winter Classic and up here again. But I was on the phone uh, outside the Coolman Center there at Autumn Oaks, and, and they went by, and I uh, wished I got a chance to say hello at least. I think I waved, but that's about all the <laughs> chance I got. And then I didn't really see him after that. But yeah. It's kind of easy for people to get into the crowd at Autumn yeah. Oaks, and you can lose them pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, shifting gears to Poncho. Uh, he's a 2017 model, male, black and tan, uh, owned by Chad McCoy and Brad Howell of Hartford City, Indiana. We mentioned that a little bit ago. Um, this is a dog that is out of – the dog that really put Chad McCoin on the map, I think, uh, an old dog named McCoin's Black River Hammer. 
And this is a semen that he collected off hammer to use on a female Grand Night Champion, Grand Champion North Ohio Embry that's owned by his partner, Brad Heil. Um, and I know Embry is out of uh, uh, Splitter, David Routon's uh, dog Splitter that he's done so much winning with, and then a female Grand Night Champion, Honeycutt Smoking Abbey. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I've been over to Chad's place before, look, looked at his hounds, um, and a lot of his dogs, uh, when you look at... Uh, well, so his old rapper dog, and you look at even Sadie's a long-legged female, and he had the headache dog uh, out of uh, cane semen and one of his females. Mm -hmm. Just a big old blocky dogs, and uh, this uh, poncho's a little bit different build. And I don't know if that comes from the splitter line or what, but he's a more tight build, Tighter smaller, build. Yeah. smaller yeah. style dog. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Poncho has done a pile of winning. He has. He sure has been. He's been a lot here in the last last two years with that dog. Surprised me that he, he was born in 2017. I, I kind of thought he'd been around longer than that even, but uh, see, he's hit the he's hit the scene hard. And uh, uh, this year already, he had double cast wins at Winter Classic, 325 on Friday and 375 on Saturday. And then Autumn Oaks, uh, I know 200 plus. I, not where he has been before and sometimes, but there's there's factors into it. And I think he'll be tickled to have a win because I know this, uh, this triple crown is important to him. And he got qualified for the world back at Thursday night at Black and Tan Days with a, with a cast win there. And I saw he's entered in the Portland, Indiana zone this year. Yeah, and I don't think any – or we're not certainly not surprised he got Poncho through here or is sitting where he is, you know, especially after the two cast wins at uh, at Winter Classic. You know, he's uh, – those boys have pretty good luck at Autumn Oak, seems like. They do guide, you know. I'm yeah. sure that works in their favor. Take the dogs back to hunt where they're used to. That's always probably – uh, uh favors the the home field it has the home field advantage a little bit but yeah you mentioned the uh, the scores that they had and uh, same here with indian creek nova at winter classic i uh, was a double cast winner uh scored 750 one night and then had a 50 plus cast win on the opposite night i uh, scored three and a quarter at autumn oaks here uh, a couple of weeks ago i think ago. that put him right outside of placing in our, our top five it did yep and and uh what was the cutoff there it was like 450 i 450, think 450 I for nice so he's just out of that uh, qualified for the, uh, for the world hunt in Cottondale, Alabama, back in March already, where she also scored 375 there. And uh, and he's entered in the Clarksville, uh, Georgia zone. So be interesting what happens. So next thing we need to talk about is some scenarios here. Uh, how can these two dogs lock it, lock everybody else out? What needs to happen? Yeah, so right now they have 150 points. The next closest dogs have 100 points. So they have a 50-point lead going into the zones. We know that each of those nights of the zones uh, are worth 25 points each. Each if, night, yep. If these dogs double up at the zones, put them at 200 points, these dogs here that are tied with 100 points right now will not be able to keep, uh, catch them. It's mathematically, mathematically mm. impossible. Right. So let's look at a, another scenario. Let's say they win uh, one, one night, Friday or Saturday, so you can get 25 points. Let's say that's all they do and don't advance to the finals. You know, obviously a dog can advance to the world finals with just one cast win but let's say they have uh, they earn 25 points one night and don't advance so that would give them 175 points yeah any other dog that is at uh sitting at 100 points what would that dog have to do to overtake a dog with 175 points? well let's just say old rex robinson heads up to portland indiana with chocolate chip and friday oh, night boy, don't give him a big head here this may be unrealistic. <laughs> Who knows, Rex? You tell yeah, me. But yeah. uh, uh, he gets his cast win on Friday night at the zones. He's sitting at 125 now. 
He wins his cast Saturday night at the zones. That puts him at 150. You just about, if you're at 100 right now, you just about have to double up at those zones mm -hmm. to ensure yourself to be in the ball game. You would. So he's sitting at 150. We're talking about dogs that are sitting with 100. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so he's sitting at uh, 150 now, and this dog that you're talking about has 175. So uh, Thursday night, round one of the world world championship, he gets 10 a points. 10 point cast win. That's going to put him at 160. He wins early on Friday. That puts him at 170. He's still five behind. He wins late on Friday to advance to the final cast, and with that, he also takes lead of the Triple Crown. So basically what you're saying, they would have to be in the final cast of the world to overtake one of these two dogs that uh, per, if they only have uh, get 25 points at the zones. That's correct. And if they get two cast wins, not it's possible. Over. It's yeah. over. It's impossible. It's yeah, impossible. So there's, there's uh, some scenarios right there, you know. It's yeah. – um, and 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 let's not uh, let's not lessen their spirits any. It's no, completely possible no. for Nova and Poncho to both go winless at the zones. That happens to a lot of dogs every yep. year. It's going to be tough competition. At that point, the door's wide open for any of these dogs that can do good in the zones and advance to the world finals. Yeah, and let's say they don't earn anything, 150 points. You know, then then it's a matter of still. Well, you kind of covered it there. They still need to go pretty deep in order to beat either one of them. So let's look at where are these two sitting in terms. Let's say worst case scenario, neither one of them, or let's say they're dead tied in terms of triple crown points. Uh, who is who is in the lead? We go to scores after that, right? Yeah, we'd go to scores, and right now, just doing some quick math here, I got. Uh, Poncho at 900 points, and it looks like a Nova right now is leading by total point total. So Chad has a little bit of work to do to catch up with Nova at this point. Yep, looks like it. According to my, my math as well, Nova holds the lead in that in case of a tiebreaker. Uh, real quick before we move on, we should probably give uh, Merle her uh, his due. Sorry, this is a male English dog, a 2020. For sure. Male English sure. dog, a young dog here. Uh, just turned two in July of this year. Uh, Trent Willoughby in Watkinsville, Georgia, owns this dog. And uh, kind of a familiar name here, Grand Knight champion Oconee River Whalen Jr., another yep. Oconee River dog. There's a Mark Looney dog there again. I'll be dang. And then uh, the dam of this dog, Grand Knight champion Carol Swamp River Queen. I don't know much about the siren dam of these, but of course you said Mark Looney, Oconee River, uh, kind of a similar breed in there from Georgia. Makes a lot of sense. And uh, even though Merle didn't uh, make it through this year, she's shown that uh, he's, he's shown that he's a cast winner. and. Uh, mm -hmm may be able to make another run for in the future. He's got a long yeah. ways to go ahead of him. Yeah. So there's the three dogs down to basically down to two. So it'll be really interesting to watch, see how that unfolds after the world championship. This podcast is brought to you by the all new Dogtra Pathfinder 2. Dogtra, the official GPS collar partner of UKC. Now it's time to get into the part of the podcast that everybody's been waiting for, it seems like. Uh, we finally had our uh, rule meeting at Autumn Oaks where you and I were joined by uh, 14 representatives, two from each Chartered Breed Association. We had kind of a roundtable discussion there and uh, we hashed out thoughts on the rules and ended, ultimately they uh, filled out a ballot and turned it into us with their official votes. And uh, I was really encouraged by the discussions we had this year. What were your thoughts? We had some really good discussions, really, you know, and for the most part, I think the uh, breed associations uh, took most of these proposals to their breed day event. And I was impressed with, uh, with most of them, how they did uh, discuss all of these with their membership. And they knew for the most part how they were wanting to vote and how their members wanted them to vote for the proposals and or on these proposals and uh there was some again there was some good points brought up this and that and i think there was uh 
it's it, it's always good to talk about them. There's always going to be somebody bringing up some good points that somebody else didn't think about, and we get some good discussions. And we'll hit on a couple as we go through these. We will. So, are you ready just to jump into a couple here? I, uh, you you thought maybe a good idea to start out with the ones that failed. Not yeah. spend very much time on them. Go through those, and then we'll get to some of the changes that we're going to see upcoming in our 2023 rule book. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so uh, the, the first proposal I have here on my list that failed. I'll read it to you real quick. Alter the tree countdown to read that the second tree position closes after 30 seconds. Third tree position closes after one minute. Yeah, that one, I think uh, everybody, I think that failed uh, two to five. Two to five. Two to five, that one failed. So um, everybody kind of likes the the current countdown that we have kind of a middle of the road after two minutes. Only uh, everybody can only get uh, 25 after that. And everybody thinks that's that works well for us. Yeah. And with a three-minute tree time, not getting a lot of covering dogs out there right now. Right. Uh, the next one I see that failed. Uh, in any category, a dog to accrue 200 minus points, regardless of pending strike or tree points, for running, treeing, or molesting off game. Yeah, I don't think you and I thought that one would pass. I think it's something that uh, – that one is one that was – there's more discussion on that one than I would have thought. A lot of discussion. Some a lot amendments of thrown out there. Yeah. A lot of a lot of good discussion, I thought. Yeah, you know, one of the things that got brought up and I thought was good is, you know, that brings up this, and it's just a matter of opinion sometimes, you know, but what is worse? What is a, what is a bigger fault? Treeing off game, is that uh, – is off game some uh, a much greater fault than treeing uh, – uh, a slick tree making a slick tree or a blank you know and there's some good discussions about that and it kind of makes you think about things but nevertheless it it failed yeah it seemed like uh, some of it swayed from from one discussion to the other but ultimately whenever the ballots were turned in this one failed zero to seven yeah so and uh we only had one more that failed there and we didn't have a bunch of proposals to begin with but the last one that i have failed uh put a time limit on handlers recasting their dogs after pulling them off a scoring situation uh, giving them a minute to recast their dogs ultimately. Yeah, this is one, and there was a lot of discussion on this one as well. You know, and and I, I thought there were some great points made, and this one kind of surprised me, to be honest. But uh, I think maybe more than anything, just no, not everybody could really come to a good agreement to what would be a good amendment for it, and therefore I think that was part of the reason that it may have failed. But, and you think it was – when you look around at the room, we had people from – uh, Central America or Central uh, hunting, Central uh, Indiana, Ohio areas. Mm -hmm. We had uh, a representative from Southern Mississippi. We had somebody from East Tennessee. We had somebody mm -hmm. from West Virginia. And those different regionalities, we knew it was going to come into a factor on this because one minute in Michigan is not the same as one one minute in a swamp in Southern Mississippi, and not the same as one minute as a mountain in West Virginia. Yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, some good discussions on that one, but it did fail. So. One to six. So yep. that's interesting. And now let's get into a couple of them that actually did pass. Yeah. And the first one's going to be the pair of these warnings here. And uh, we're going to go into a little bit of detail on them. The first one is uh, removing the first offense warning from Rule 2A for handlers not striking their dog on or before the third bark. Uh, this one actually passed, but it passed with an amendment. Yeah. And uh, that amendment was agreed on by all the associations to keep that warning in place during a youth cast, so during our YEP events and during our youth championship events, but removing it from the rule book for our regular license events. Yeah, and this will only apply to youth-only events where we they will give the kids a warning on the first offense, but not any other event, youth-only events. And we're not talking about uh, when youth a youth handler hunting in a regular event. Right. They will have to follow regular event rules. This is only for youth hunts only. 
where they keep that warning, but everybody that's going to go away for the regular rules. And I think that's good. Yeah, That was a good amendment. Uh, before we talk about it too much, let's just go ahead and bring in the next one that passed yeah. with an amendment, the same amendment, uh, removing the first offense warning from Rule 2D for handlers calling the wrong dog. Mm -hmm. The same amendment passed uh, by the associations, uh, keep the first offense warning in youth-only cast during our YEP events and our youth championships and uh, in our normal license events. Uh, we're going to remove that warning, and the first offense are going to be minus second. You're going to be scrapped. Yep. So going back to the to the first one, you know, if uh, you don't get your dog struck on or before the third bark after a minute of the dog having been released, you are going to be subject to a strike uh, minus. Uh, whatever that next available strike point, you're going to be minus on that on first offense. Second offense is going to be... Uh, scratched just as it was before uh, previously. Right now, it would have been a it would have been a third the third step, but that's going to be step number two. And then same with the second one here for uh, calling the wrong dog. You call the wrong dog, um, you're going to get minus that position. And um, and we we discussed this a lot uh, between us, but before the rule proposal mm -hmm. was even sent in, we we talked about it a lot. And we're seeing this this rule abused a lot. In a, we talk about our TOC finals, our our non hunting judges from the TOC finals, yeah. from the world finals, where there's guys who are uh, just striking the first thing they hear, and they're going to make the judge put that warning to them, yeah. and they're going to try to take advantage of it in those situations. And I think that this was necessary. And this uh, this passing now will eliminate all that and be back to the way it was before. And I think both of them are good we're good ones to pass. both of these passed almost unanimously and they, we'll have these statistics in our advisor column when they come yeah. out but six to one both yeah. of them voted six four and one against yeah and you know just so our listeners will know we will go a lot more in depth with these changes uh just not on this podcast where this one's just kind of to talk a little bit about the ones that did pass and and we uh, want to get the information out sure. there for people absolutely to hear. yep so uh we're gonna you're gonna hear this podcast released here and then also uh, look out for the uh, October issue of Coonhound Bloodlines where it's going to be in the advisor column. Yeah, and even though we're talking about that today, these rules that did pass will not go into effect until January 1 of 2023. Very important. Very important. Not not any one of them. Yeah, so uh, the next one that we saw pass, and I, I can't, I was a little surprised by this one, but uh, uh, change in combined rules for dogs tree and but not declared tree to receive the same demerit regardless of how the tree is scored. Uh, and this proposal in, uh, specifically said to minus the strike points of the dog uh, and not assign any additional tree points in any circumstance. Yeah, and that's, you know, before we always said, we're talking about a dog that's treeing but not declared treed. And you and I did a podcast here a month or two ago where we talked about, that was one of our topics. And it's one that get got misscored a lot, you know, so... When the new rules go in effect, uh, that topic that we had is going to become obsolete, and this is going to override that. But uh, So we're talking about a dog treeing but not declared treed when you arrive at the tree. Uh, so we always said you don't know how to score this dog in question until you score the tree. With this new rule proposal, that dog is it's going to simplify it. You will know how to score that dog immediately, and that is his strike points are going to be minus regardless of how the tree is scored it does not matter and then secondly even there's no more going to be if the tree is as off game or a slick tree like in the past we awarded next available tree points and minus that as well for off game or slick tree in the case of registered dogs for off game uh that's no more awarding uh, additional tree points it's very simple strike points minus for that dog yeah simple. it's gonna, gonna make that's it simple. simple for the people competing in the events and uh 
I don't. You know, you know one of the questions that or one of the uh, discussions we had with that was, well, what about a dog that shut out? Well, shut out will still take precedence. You know, a dog that is shut out, his strike points will be deleted. Uh, does not have any strike points to minus. But yeah, dog treed but not declared treed will be minus strike points unless they are shut out on that tree. Uh, they don't have any strike points to minus. It'll really simplify that. Yeah, and uh, the it looks like the breed associations agreed. They voted six, six to, to one, one to pass that. Yep. Uh, then let's look at, take a look at the next one here. Uh, change rule 4B to read strike points will be minus if none of the declared struck uh, dogs open within six minutes. And this isn't much of a change in our rule. This is just changing what it was, eight minutes, to now six minutes. This one surprised me. Past seven and nothing, really, because I thought there'd be more talk about it or whatever. And it's, honestly, I don't, I think six minutes is a good time. It basically, it's very simple. You had eight minutes on strike to keep strikes open. That's now just going to go down to, to six minutes. Do you see shorter hunting times? Do you think that's the reason for this proposal? Or Probably, probably, probably yeah. a little bit, but yeah. So it wasn't much discussion on that, and I was kind of surprised. I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, nonetheless, it's going to be, instead of eight minutes, we're going to be at six minutes now. Oh, here's one that uh, we filtered a few questions about over the past three, three years or so, uh, allowing the use of thermal imaging devices cell phone cameras and mirrors as score as scoring aids. Yeah. So this one passed. It passed to use it, but with an amendment. With an amendment, right. And this was one that was brought forth and agreed upon about uh, by all the associations when it came time to vote. Uh, and that amendment uh, agreed was to allow the use of thermal imaging devices as a scoring aid. Only. Cell phone cameras and uh, mirrors will, no, will still not be permitted to be used as a scoring aid during a cast. Just the thermal imaging devices. Yep. Yeah. No, that's a, there, obviously there was a, a lot of discussion on that one, and I think that's probably the one that uh, gained the most interest, you know, and, um, uh, you know, that one will come, a lot of, a lot of discussion was had on that. One of the, the first questions that comes on up is, you know, you still have to see the raccoon. You can't just uh, use this if it shows there's something there. You can't just plus it because of that, and no, you can't. You still got to see the raccoon. All the thermal is going to do is basically show you where to look for it. Yeah, there was some discussion about the definition of a scoring aid, and to us, it's exactly what we say there, an aid, similar to, uh, to a, a squalor or a light. It's something that you use to pinpoint, the, to help narrow down where you're searching, to help you find the coon, and ultimately on these coon hunts, when we're crowning world champions and we're giving away $50,000, you should make, I feel like every every effort should be made to score that coon and give the dog its due credit. Yeah, you're right, and it has had everything to do with the terminology, calling it a scoring aid, um, but that's what a light is as well. It's a scoring aid. So you can see, see it, you know, and, um, it doesn't mean just because you throw a light up there, we can plus it, you know, but, uh, and same with a squalor or a, uh, a laser light, but yeah, this is, uh, no it, different. So. I've actually gotten a it, few calls about this and I don't know if it's worth going into it a little bit, but, uh, you're getting calls about, uh, are we going to have any rules permitting when people can use it based on the people in the cast using them? And uh, in certain situations, the people have to share them and stuff like that. There's going to be no rules like that. This is going to be similar to having a telemetry system. Not everybody has a, a dog tray out there. Yeah. Some people don't. Not everybody has a big high dollar lot. You uh, know. That's true. A good example would be a squalor. If if I have a if I have a squalor and you don't, um, whether I whether I use my squalor to shine your tree or you know to score your tree is, I guess up to me. You know. But uh, yeah, it's not that I have to or I don't have to. But Again, we're not going to go into a whole lot of uh, dive into deep with this, you know, but we will have more in-depth uh, uh, topics on this or conversations on this probably in another podcast. 
Yeah, and the, the and this will this will go in that same section where no other no scoring aids to be used other than a light, a squalor, and now also a thermal is what will be added to that section. And uh, the last one we have to talk about of the proposals, uh, altering rule eleven D. Seven out, to nothing on that proposal. By yeah, the way, seven nothing yeah. thermals. Yeah, that's surprising. Yep. Uh, and the last one here, alter rule eleven D, taking out the stipulation that you must hear a struck or treed dog open before recasting. It's another one that passed. Another one. I was surprised by it as well. Lopsided. Six to one. Six, Pass to, six one. to one. Yeah. And what that is is simple is simple again. Before, when you took a dog off of a scoring tree, you before you could recast it, if there was any other dogs in the cast that were struck in, you had to wait until a dog opened before you could release that dog. But with the passing of this proposal, uh, you won't have to wait. You basically just walk off the tree uh, to uh, a, a satisfactory distance, and you can cut. Doesn't matter what any other dog is doing. Yeah, there's no running, no running a two, no running an eight. So a lot of discussion, a lot of discussion on that, you know, and and a lot. One thing that got brought up, uh, some good discussion. I felt like, uh, you know, one 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 was that. Uh, Hey, at the end of the hunt, you know, now rather wait till somebody potentially gets a minus, you know, and uh, open up strikes before I turn loose. You know, whereas the other argument is, hey, I'd rather take my chances at the end of the hunt to turn loose and tree a coon versus uh, banking or gambling that you're going to take a minus and that's how I'm going to beat you. You know, so there's a lot of good discussion on that. But in any case, it passed where you turn your dog loose. You don't have to wait for a dog to open before you cut it loose. Pretty simple. We'll be right back. If you're trying to contact UKC, don't wait on hold. Use the online chat feature on ukcdogs.com. So overall, I think uh, the rule proposals uh, that or the the proposals that passed were a positive thing for coon hunting. I think they're moving us in the right direction. I don't see anything in there that passed that's going to push us in the opposite direction of what we're, we're wanting to always advance and, and move into the, into the times. And I don't think that's going to happen or that's, we're not going to have any negative effect from these that passed. No, you know, we, we both hear, um, some feedback that why do we need rule changes hard enough to keep up with the ones, you know, from three years ago or whatever, but it really, I think the guys that are actively hunting, uh, in the night hunts and uh, some of our stronger judges, this is nothing for them to keep up with, you know, and it's not that much at all. I think it just goes kind of goes hand in hand with uh, why it's good to stay on top of the rules. And it's a matter of reading the rule book, you know, and uh, um, so I think they're good. I yeah. think it's good. A couple of rules that pass, mm -hmm. I think, are actually going to make judges' lives easier. Yeah, and you know, the one other thing that we've heard a lot, especially since the last rules changed three years ago, that we do have a good set of rules in UKC. And I agree, and I think a lot of the hunters are really liking them. Uh, I know there was some some discussions there that we talked about. Uh, possibly at three years isn't needed anymore with the set of rules that we have in place. We got a really strong rule book. People are enjoying the rules. We made some necessary pass uh, changes in 2019's uh, voting and, and this year's voting. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're to a point where we may see some uh, variation there still, still talking about that stuff, but there were some good conversations about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, we may, we may hold off for five years. So we kind of left that up to, uh, to us to decide we get into three year uh, into that period. We see something that we really need. Uh, we'll decide that then open it up if we really need to, but if not, we may hold off for, uh, for, and have, uh, wait for five years, but we'll see. 
So, of course, all these rules here that we talked about were running rules. Uh, well, there were some procedural uh, rule proposals that come in that we looked over, and there was there's one that actually we're going to implement into our rule book, right? Hunt director. Hunt director's hunting. Yeah. If Besides thermals, that's the, probably the one that we've gotten the most requests for over the past three years since I've been here for sure. Yeah, you know, and we have it. We've implemented it in a couple of our other segments, like the squirrel squirrel rules. They Their hunt director is allowed to hunt and handle a dog in the hunt. Uh, we have it in our beagle rules, and it it has worked out quite well. You know, I think for, and, and it will here too, and we are going to implement this starting in 2023, where the hunt director can actually hunt a dog in the hunt. And I think where it's going to actually help us, uh, that is uh, uh, a pro for this, is a lot of times maybe the club got somebody to be the hunt director that just wasn't as well-versed as they should have been. And I think this allows us to have a better, stronger hunt director uh, uh, organ, or uh, you know, managing the hunt and, and so on. So I think it's going to be a good change, and I think a lot of the clubs are going to like it. There's going to be a few things, a few questions, you know, what to do with questions that come back before a hunt's over and things like that, uh, or what if the hunt director is one of the last casts in and things like that. What do they do with their scorecards? We're going to cover all that stuff, and it's most of it is just be use common sense and be reasonable about it. It's not that big of a deal, I don't think. It goes a long way. It sure does. sure does. So. So yeah, we are going to allow the use of or allow hunt directors to uh, manage the event and also organize the event, uh, draw casts and all that good stuff, as well as uh, uh, handle a dog in the hunt. Going to be a lot of happy wives out there. They don't have to sit at the club yeah. for three hours. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> good so, stuff. I'm excited for yeah. that to come through. So the other thing that's going to come up with these new rule changes and everything, let's talk a little bit about a new rule book. When is that going to come out? Yeah, so uh, the new rule book will actually be in print and sent out uh, starting Janu early January of, uh, of 2023. Uh, if you're a current Coonhound Bloodline subscriber, you're going to get it with your January issue of Coonhound Bloodlines. Otherwise, you're going to have to run us down at an event or order one on on our store to get one. Yeah, right? so there may is a good good chance here to uh, to pump the Coonhound Bloodlines a little bit. Be a subscriber, subscribe to it. You're going to get one with it in your January issue. Uh, same with new scorecards. We'll have new scorecards for next year. And uh, those will be sent out to uh, clubs that are having uh, starting with their January events. Absolutely right. So, hey, we're really excited about these rule changes. I think some good stuff passed. Uh, excited about where the Coonhound program is and our rule book is right now. And uh, this is all positive stuff. So hope to see you guys at events in 2023. Thanks for listening to the UKC Hunting Ops podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and to like and follow UKC Hunting Ops on Facebook and Instagram.